0: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, This was uh, the song, one of the songs from Beverly Hills Cop 2, a very funny movie with Eddie Murphy, made a a bit funnier because of the incredible work of uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Somebody that um, has known Gilbert Gottfried personally and professionally for three and a half decades is a very good friend of mine. He's a veteran producer, he's a veteran entertainment manager, a philanthropist, and somebody that wears a great many hats. And that's one of the few pieces of his wardrobe that he hasn't had to change recently because he's lost so much weight that they've now come to call him the incredible shrinking man. Very, very pleased to welcome my friend Bruce Charrett. Bruce, it's great to
1: talk with you again. I actually lost one eighth of the hat size.
0: Oh, did you really? For real?
1: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Usually, uh, our no friend... how much weight you lose, I have learned, you do not change your hat size. So yeah. go figure. Yeah,
0: I guess you only lose that with uh, with male pattern baldness, I
1: suppose. That'll do it. That's right. <laughs> or a good haircut. Exactly right.
0: Uh, thanks for joining us, Bruce. Now, I know you, um, you've known Gilbert for a while. Under what circumstances did you first get to meet Gilbert?
1: You know, I was thinking about that today. I met Gilbert... Um, around 1983, Gilbert had just done a failed television series, uh, that was a syndicated late night show starring Alan Thicke that was to compete with the Carson. Oh, the
0: thick of the night, right? Was that it? The thick of the
1: night, exactly right. And Gilbert was a, a comic. It had a, it had a, a, a group of, um, resident young comedians that did the sketches with Alan. And uh, I, at that time, was going to college, and I was working for a, a famous manager in New York named George Check And uh, as is what one does, you know, you go out at night, and there were certain joints. There was a place called um, – um, oh, God, the name just escapes me right now. But it was a, a club where or, or a restaurant where comics hung out and young performers hung out, and I met Gilbert. And he was I, – I remember distinctly meeting him and saying – the guy's not that much older than me, and he talks like an old Jew. You know, I talk like an old Jew, but not like he does. I mean, it was ridiculous, and and he had that sound, and he was just funny, and um, so I, I I met him and I got to know him. Then he did a sort of a failed uh, a failed he had a failed journey on on um, Saturday Night on, Live, uh, Saturday Night Live, which uh, I remember. And uh, then he started working all the comedy clubs, and how could you not get to know him? But very early on, very early on, he became, you know, I hate using the term a comics comic. You see that, and, and people do use that term, and its I guess it's not a bad term. It means he was the guy that the other comics laughed at. And if you were in a comedy club, uh, if Gilbert was doing his eight minutes, everybody ran. All the guys would run, the writers, the guys would run and hear him. and. Sometimes the audience didn't always get what he did, but he would always press the envelope. There was always an outrageous comedic sensibility to what Gilbert did, and um, he just was one of those guys through the years. And I've known a thousand comedians. You know, I've known probably every great comedian. He just had that 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 great, great sense of humor. He knew what was funny, and he could be. If you caught him right, outrageously funny. He could be so so. he could make anything funny. Gilbert could do 15 minutes on, on a, on a on subject matter <laughs> that was not at all intrinsically funny and make it hysterical. You know, he also had a side to him. He he had he he, he I got mad at him once. I produced an evening at the Friars Club uh, for the Friars Club. It was a black tie dinner at the Pierre and Gilbert got up and did singularly the most tasteless joke in the history of the English language. It was so horrifying that I couldn't even attempt to describe to you in (laughs) non-horrifying language how horrifying the joke was. It was 400 people stood there with their jaws hanging out. And it it, it, was so, it was so, Shecky Green got so mad at me because I produced the the, the 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 evening that I'll never forget. He ran out of the building and I'm begging him to come back, and he screamed at me on Fifth Avenue. If I wasn't ninety years old, I'd knock the shit out of you. I hope I can say that word on the air. Well, we but dumped the, it. We dumped it. I know, okay. I know it's the middle of the night, but and 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 Gilbert thought it was funny, and he just and I was so angry at him, and he just that was Gilbert. Uh, you know, it, it's so. Uh, I, I talked
0: a little bit earlier, and I didn't get know Gilbert um, as long as or as well as you did. But I got to meet him a bunch of times over the years, mostly through Joe Piscopo. And what I was struck by is that when he wasn't performing, he seemed actually pretty quiet and reserved. Was that your experience observing I, him?
1: You know, I, I was just I was just going to say that because I didn't get to that. That was part of the dichotomy that was Gilbert. Off stage. he was quiet, soft-spoken. He he was a wonderful husband. He great. He was a wonderful father. I wasn't. I didn't have that relationship with him or, where I was really involved in his personal life. But certainly, I knew that by reputation and a little bit that I saw of it. It was. It was certainly obvious that those were the things that mattered to him. And he was almost. He was not, you know, he was not Milton Berle. He was not a guy off stage that did anything for a laugh. He could be really funny if he wanted to be, but he was he was almost almost introspective uh, when you were with him socially. Um, he was not one of those guys that was that carried on and was on all the time at all.
0: You alluded to his early tenure on Saturday Night Live, and uh, the the fact that it really didn't work out well for him. Uh, I don't think but, he made it more than one season. But, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I know. I was going to say, if you you know, if, if you look, if you think about that through the power of hindsight, it would be so hard for writers to meet Gilbert sure. and figure out what to do with him. You know, Gilbert was that kind of a comedy persona that you, he had to sort of evolve and explode and figure it out. And then you sort of s- step back and said, oh, my goodness, you know, just let him do what he does. And he was hysterically funny. But to have the very young Gilbert walk into a room and have other people attempt to mm-hmm. write for him and figure that out, that was a bridge too far. I mean, through the power of hindsight, it's its Easy to understand why that wouldn't have worked out. And,
0: and just he wasn't necessarily everybody's cup of tea, his brand of his brand of comedy and the way in which he delivered it. You can understand why some people might be gravitated toward it and other people. It just wasn't their thing.
1: Well, well, there, I mean, there were two aspects to that. The fact that he had a penchant for pressing the envelope of taste. There's no question about that, and that's offensive to some people, including me. I mean, as I said, I had a really bad experience. I was really angry at him for a very long time. I think, you know, as as you said in Fiddler on the Roof, sometimes there is no other hand. <laughs> I would argue that there are times when you just press the envelope too far. This is sort of a strange thing to be talking about, given what happened at the Academy Awards recently. <laughs> but but that's that's a different issue, you know, uh, but obviously he 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 could do that, so he wasn't everybody 's cup of tea um and then you know you can get into the 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 analytics of 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 to and, uh, you know to analyze comedy like I remember once sitting with Gilbert and he got really upset at me because I said to him, "I hate puns, which I do i just don't like puns i don 't like rachel Marx because i don 't like puns, and Gilbert loved puns, and he got so mad at me said. You're supposed to have a good sense of humor. How can you not like puns? Puns are the greatest, most... He just carried on and beat me up for 10 minutes on the fact that I didn't like puns. So, you know, as they say, you can't please everybody all the time. You
0: you alluded to uh, his brand of comedy, which was at times acerbic and at times bordering on on tasteless. I I think it was that tasteless comedy that in some respects made him such an in-demand, Personality at a lot of these roasts. This was a a Comedy Central roast for, I I believe, Joan Rivers a few years ago, and Gilbert says,
2: A guy walks into a bar. Joan Rivers is the bartender. He sees a sign over the bar that reads, Cheese sandwich $1.50, hand job $10. He says to Joan Rivers, Are you the one that gives the hand jobs? Jones says, yes, I am. He says, well, wash your hands. I want a cheese sandwich.
0: (laughs) Good night. Now, uh, Bruce, it was that bordering on tasteless sense of humor that did get him in trouble. He made that tsunami joke. And uh, it cost him a very lucrative uh, position as the aflac duck now i can't imagine how much money that he was making as that aflac duck but if i had that job i would live the rest of my life the uh, the other 23 hours uh, of the day as a monk i'd lead a monastic existence to make sure nothing happened to that
1: you make your living you know pressing the envelope uh it's very hard to know when you're just going to press it too far and it's all going to going kind to of come tumbling down. And that's kind of what happened, I guess, with the Affleck duck. I always found Gilbert's roast performances curious because in a strange way, he always reminded me of Hannah Youngman in the sense that Gilbert didn't prepare, didn't have to. He was the only comic like Youngman who didn't have to prepare for the roasts at all because what The material he did really, and the Joan Rivers tape you just played is a perfect example of it, had absolutely nothing to do with the person being roasted. I have worked on scores of roasts uh, with every comic you can imagine, and it's a nerve-wracking experience because you try and think of who the person is and tailor the obscene jokes to the person and make it work and be clever and make it seamless. Gilbert didn't do any of that. Gilbert just said, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Joan Rivers. And then he did the most obscene joke he could think about and plugged Joan Rivers into the joke, which is what Youngman, you know, that was the great Youngman joke. He would get up and he'd say, We're roasting Frank Morano. Frank Morano, what an asshole. Two Jews just got off a camel. Absolutely had nothing to do with you after the initial hello. And in a way, that's what Gilbert did. So he could never fail. Because he did all those dirty jokes, which were perfect at a roast, then it didn't matter who was being roasted.
0: And do you think that joke about the the tsunami in Japan that cost him his job eleven years ago was that? um w- w- I guess in some respects, he was cancel culture before there was even a term for cancel culture. Uh, was that and it, was that a too harsh a punishment? Do you think that degree of condemnation? You know.
1: I, I that's such a difficult that, that's a different philosophical discussion to get into for another time uh, when you try and determine what, you know, when is bad taste to bad taste. And again, we, we have to get back to to what just happened on the Oscars, which to me is the most outrageous thing, you know, because the joke that Chris did was a mild joke. And I have lived my life working with comedians and defending free speech and the right to be funny. And certainly you want everybody to have the right to do that and so on and so forth. So when do you go too far? It's almost like, what's the great line about the Supreme Court and pornography? We know
0: it when we I,
2: see
1: it. We know it when we see it. And <laughs> I think that's the smartest insightful analogy we can make. We know it when we see it. We certainly know Chris Rock didn't go too far And you might argue that Gilbert did with the tsunami
0: joke. Uh,
1: And there there it is.
0: If people just tune in, we're talking with uh, Bruce Charrett, He's been a uh, veteran manager of talent, a veteran comedy producer. He's worn many hats over the years and uh, knew knew Gilbert uh, for a a long time, going back uh, to the 1980s. You know, it is interesting that Gilbert was able to balance a lot of different roles. Now, a lot of people do a raunchy act, and they sort of get typecast as being a raunchy comedian. He was able to del- tell filthy jokes and be in filthy films like The Aristocrats and then uh, be the voice of uh, the parrot Iago in Aladdin and be in children's movies or family movies uh, like uh, *Like Problem Child or Teenage Mut- Mutant Ninja well, Turtle. Not everybody could do that, could they?
1: Well, well but actually, if you think about it, uh, ex- you know, analytically or existentially, part of what allowed gilbert to be so dirty was he had a cartoon-like persona and a good he was very much in the style of buddy hackett in that way buddy did a filthy act but he also was in the love bug and he also was completely adorable when he chose to be so there's a long history of comedians that worked blue who also could be completely cute and adorable when they want, but he comes to mind he's the obvious example, and he's very much like Gilbert in that way.
2: people still
0: remember and talk about. Lenny Bruce, uh, 40 or 50 years after he's passed away. There are some comedians uh, that you know, or even comedic personalities, are going to have staying power, and they have a legacy that is going to live far beyond them. People like uh, like Johnny Carson and uh, Richard Pryor, uh, the list goes on and on. There are other comedians that shortly after they die, really, they don't continue to be talked about. As far as you're concerned, is Gil- Gilbert Gottfried, uh, the kind of comic or the kind of comic entertainer that's going to be talked about 40 years from
1: now? Well, 40 years from now is a very, very long time. Um, It's it's such a hard question to answer. I I don't know that Gilbert's body of work as a comic uh, is big enough where he'll be, able, we'll be able to hearken back to that material. So young people, be, you know, the next generation will really be able to see him and know what he does and and, and care about it uh, as as somebody that you say was a groundbreaking personality. You mentioned a few people, and obviously everybody's different. Carson is remembered obviously because he was on TV so much, and he's the gold standard for a for a a particular. Thing that is still done. You have people doing what basically exactly what Carson did every single night on three different networks. Right. So it's easy to hearken back to him. Lenny Bruce has really, in my argument, and there were people who would disagree with me, has become something of a folk hero. Lenny Bruce has become, his name is metaphoric for something actually greater than the material that he did or than he actually was. So he's one of those curious people that became uh, an iconic figure, bigger actually than his material. I think Lenny, and this is Lenny Bruce fans will be mad at me for saying this, had Lenny not died so young, Mm. I don't know that Lenny would have Mattered to, to, to the degree that he did. I think you could say that about a lot of people. You know, James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. There are. Uh, I mean, I could probably go on another a, a show. A lot of people
0: would, would say John F. Kennedy uh, in the political well, arena. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, well, and that has different ramifications. But even just with you know performers, uh, uh, I would. I, I'm a big Bobby Darren fan. I would argue that about Bobby Darren. There are a lot of people. I, you, I would argue that about Elvis. There are so many people that die young and then they kind of become metaphors mm. as opposed to being judged for their body of work. I think Lenny Bruce, because of when he lived, when he died, uh, the the fact that he was a transitional period, a transitional comedian. Uh, he was such an influence on people that came right after him, who in my I, I mean, I think George Carlin was a far greater comedian than Lenny Bruce. Uh, but. George always harkened back to Lenny, so we, we sort of elevate Lenny in a way even beyond George, which I think is kind of unreasonable.
0: Um, in terms of Gilbert Godfrey, he was somebody that you could tell had a lot of quirks about him. Are there any quirks in your mind that particularly stick out as you remember him?
1: Well, he was just such a curious, he was elf-like when you met him. You know when you were with him personally, uh, he was not any. There were so many quirks. He was a plethora of quirks. He was a living quirk. But there was also, I mean, and I just want to end with this. Or I mean, I can stay on with you all night. I I got nothing to do. But <laughs> uh, he was a sweet, dear, kind, quiet, adorable. Um, just, just You just wanted to hug him when you were with him socially. And he was a dear, dear man. And um, there was nothing about him that was mean or evil or, or difficult. He was just a kind, sweet person. And, you know, he had all that kind of rage and anger lived within him, I suppose, and it came out in his work. But you certainly didn't feel it when you were with him socially.
0: Well, uh, Bruce, uh, I very much appreciate you uh, you taking the time. I would keep you on all night, but we have uh, a mass shooter on the loose, and we have a lieutenant governor resigning in disgrace. So uh, I have to get back to some of that.
1: And, the, and those things are more important than I am. <laughs> My goodness!
0: Only today. I'll see you well, the next time in you're I ca- in, you're in town. In that Bruce. case,
1: I'm going to bed.
0: <laughs> Enjoy. Thanks very okay. much, Bruce. Appreciate you staying up late. Care. We're getting Bye. up early. Uh, this is the other side of midnight. You know. One of the things I really enjoyed about Gilbert in recent years was his podcast. And there was one edition of his podcast. And if you want to comment on Gilbert, you can. 800-848-WABC. There was one edition of his podcast in which he actually had Tommy James in studio. And Tommy James has been a guest on this show as well. But I don't have the voice that Gilbert Gottfried does. So Tommy James never made me do what he made Gilbert Gottfried do. Like when they sang, I think we're alone now.
2: What they say when we're together, and watch how you play. No publishing on this. They don't understand, and so we're running, running just fast. as fast as we can. Stay with them, Bill. Holding on to one another's hand.
1: <laughs> Try to get
2: away into the night, and then you put your arms with a friend, and you say, I think we're alone now. <laughs> w A B C